and belling up to the nine foot homemade oak bar. My name is Craig Toth, host of Minor League News and Brews, also one half of Bucks in the Basement, along with my good friend Chris Lanuti. Welcome back and welcome to anyone that has not listened to this before, but I wanted to start off today's episode with kind of addressing some things that have been posed to me, some questions concerning why I quote-unquote, and it's very loose quote-unquote, cover the Pirates minor league system, and then also to address some comments concerning the fact that people believe that People within the Pirates, I guess, minor league media, bloggers, podcasters, whatever it may be, kind of push a narrative of prospects. And I understand uh, as a Pirates fan, because I am also a, a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, first and foremost, that... I mean, there has been a lot of times out there where, you know, prospects have come up and, you know, not performed as well, or maybe not even made it to the major leagues after receiving, I mean, a decent push or a a decent publicity uh, within the system, within rankings. And these are things that I just kind of want to sit down and address at the beginning of today's episode. I am a baseball fan, not just a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, even though that is, you know, my number one fandom. I just love baseball. I assist in coaching my son's uh, his coach pitch team, which is basically 8U. Uh, I also assist with my son's Little League team, you know, 12U. Uh, I've been coaching the youngest, you know, since he was in T-ball and I just enjoy baseball. I mean, I could watch a little league game. I watched the little league world series. I could go to a high school game. I've taken my kids to the local high school to see, you know, them play a baseball game. I love college baseball. I'm a West Virginia Mountaineers baseball fan have been, for years upon years upon years. My family, if you've listened to this show before, you know, read anything that I've written, probably seen me out and about, follow me on social media, Instagram, whatever it may be, you'll see pictures, comments, quotes about me and my family and how wherever we go, we take in a minor league baseball game. My my family just loves them. This past year, we've taken in an Erie Seawolves game, a Tennessee Smokies game. As always, an Altoona Curve game. I try to make it out to Indianapolis at least once a year. Usually go to a Bradenton Marauders game. When the West Virginia Black Bears were the short season low A team for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you know, we would go and catch at least one of those games. Um, independent leagues with the West, with the uh, Washington Wild things. It's just something that I enjoy. Um, it's something that has been enhanced because of what my you know family has come to enjoy. 
if they didn't like it, I probably maybe wouldn't be doing this show. I maybe wouldn't be going to as many minor league games, but it just so happens that it's something that we enjoy doing as a family. And I love watching the minor leagues. I have since my high school days. Um, and even before that, I've told the story previously about how my neighbor growing up, her boyfriend, uh, was drafted by the Los Angeles Dodgers and moved throughout their system and just finding that enjoyment in baseball. But I do understand the other side of the coin of Pittsburgh Pirates fans who may not be as invested in the minor league system or maybe a little bit jaded towards the minor league system due to the fact that it always kind of seems to be that, you know, there will be this next prospect coming up who will perform well and this next prospect coming up who will impact the future, change the team. I mean, you could come back with, you know, the thing that, you know, every Major League Baseball player was a prospect at some point. Uh, some of them were very highly touted prospects. Some of them were not on any of these top 30 lists, top 100 lists that people keep their eyes on. You know, they don't really help the, this, the team become, you know, the number one, two or three farm system in all of Major League Baseball. But I kind of do see how people get frustrated with this type of, I guess it would be like they said, I think I said earlier in the show is just a little bit of a narrative. And to kind of like look at this narrative a little bit, I went back and looked at, you know, three players who have broken out, um, quote unquote, broken out over the past few years, as well as the uh the prospect rankings, the top 30 Pirates rankings over at uh, MLB Pipeline, just to kind of see like where these frustrations come from and kind of an understanding of, you know, the, the common fan, I guess it would be, and where they're saying, well, we hear about this guy and then he kind of, you know, drops off a map. And this kind of came to me a little bit because of, you know, Luis Ortiz's surgeons throughout uh, the system last year, jumping up prospect rankings and then coming up to the majors this year and struggling, struggling when he went back down to AAA. And then based on, you know, the outing that he just had yesterday, I'm recording this on Thursday, 824, probably won't get to your ears until the normal drop date of Saturday morning. But just what was in my thought process, like throughout, you know, building the outline for this episode. So the players that, that kind of came to my mind here as breakout prospects and, and what they've done, you know, since they've become breakout prospects as to why people kind of just become very cautious when people mention, you know, prospects that may be doing well, maybe performing well, especially in the lower minors even in the upper minors until they actually see them perform well, you know, at the major league level at PNC park. And the first one of this, because I mean, if anybody knows, you know, I've been a pirates fan and been a minor league baseball fan for much, much longer, but Chris and I started doing the box in the basement show 
2019. 2020 is, is tough to gauge within the minor leagues just because there wasn't a minor league season. But at least as far as the breakout prospects go, one of the, the first ones that came to mind for me was in 2021, Matt Frazier started out in Greensboro slashing 314, 401, 578 with 20 home runs, a great K to, to walk ratio, in my opinion, 74 Ks with 43 walks in 349 plate appearances, came up to Altoona, got 149 plate appearances, definitely didn't show as much power because as we all know, when people leave the South Atlantic League, specifically, you know, their home in Greensboro, the the power numbers drop a little bit, hit three home runs over that. If you extrapolate that out, I mean, you maybe get up to about seven or eight home runs in the same time that he hit 20 home runs in Greensboro. Uh, slashed 288, 356, 492. I can tell you I was there on opening day in 2022. I was excited to see what Matt Frazier could do for his team. Believe he had a, hit a home run that day. I, I think Leover Pagaro also had a home run. But during that season, across 480 plate appearances, slashed 219, 284, 333, six home runs, 114 strikeouts, and 33 base on balls. And you're hoping that maybe that was just, you know, kind of like a little bit of a fluke of a season that he would bounce back more in 2023. And, and Matt Frazier's a name that's kind of, you know, fallen by the wayside a little bit. And unfortunately, justifiably, because, you know, for this season, he has 408 plate appearances as of this recording. He's slashing 249, 324, so getting on base a little bit more. Has a little bit more power, 358. Uh, but, I mean, he struck out 83 times, walked 36 times, and has seven home runs. So a little bit disappointing in that. And then jumping ahead to 2022, you know, the new, the cool, the fresh name, you know, on the top of, you know, tips of everybody's tongues was Matt Gorski. Matt Gorski also started out in Greensboro like Matt Frazier had during the previous year, slashing 294, 377, 754 with 17 home runs, only striking out 39 times, walking 17 times in 146 plate appearances. Once again, once there was that jump to Altoona, and this was you know, prior to the you know catastrophic hamstring injury that he suffered that kept him out for the majority of the rest of the season um, in Altoona slashing 277 354 498 with six home runs 47 Ks 15 base on balls on 12 more plate appearances than he had had in Greensboro totaling 158. Now everybody would say you know in 2023 we have seen, you know, possibly a little bit more power. I would argue that, you know, maybe it's it's even dropped a little bit just because everybody would say, well, he has 15 home runs. Well, he also has 351 plate appearances as opposed to 158. We see his slugging drop from 489 
to 426. We see his on base drop from 354 to 294. And then we also see the batting average drop from 277 to 237. So people have been asking me and would ask me, you know, maybe who could fall into this category. And this is not to say that Matt Frazier or Matt Gorski will never succeed. I will always root for every single one of our minor league players to succeed. But somebody said, you know, who could possibly, you know, has maybe been showing up, maybe had flown under the radar a little bit prior to that. And who I'm, you know, maybe worried about that people are putting, you know, a little bit too much emphasis on during this season and may end up being disappointed. And it just kind of falls into, you know, where people are saying that, you know, people are mentioning, you know, what happened to Matt Frazier? What's wrong with Matt Gorski? The, the guy for this year for me would be Jack Brannigan. And, and I love what Jack Brannigan's done, especially on defense. It's hard not to like what we've seen on offense, but Starting back last year, in his first year in Bradenton, slash 211, 330, 337 with three home runs, 28 Ks and 15 walks in 112 plate appearances. Started in Bradenton again this year, slashing 253, 398, 451 with seven home runs, 54 strikeouts, 32 walks, so basically, you know, almost walking upwards of what he was striking out in 201 plate appearances. Of course, once he goes to Greensboro, and I know that this is something that I've warned people about, other people warn people about, but it's it's the Greensboro grasshoppers effect. I mean, that's just pretty much what it's becoming. In 113 plate appearances, he has 11 home runs. He's slashing 313, 363, 697. The one thing I would look at is that he has struck out 37 times while only walking nine times. And I kind of just want to see what he could do in Altoona to see. And it's tough to see, like, if this is real. Yes, he's hot. Yes, we're seeing it all over social media. But I could say the same thing of like what happened with Matt Frazier, what happened with Matt Gorski, you know, during their time in Greensboro. And then once they get regular playing time in Altoona, stuff starts to kind of even level out or in some instances crater a little bit. And and it's just something that I'm like lining myself up maybe for, you know, some disappointment, but also showing that I understand why people get frustrated when people say, well, you know, when you're looking at depth charts and you're saying, well, you have these guys in the outfield right now, but you also have Matt Frazier and Matt Gorski um, as, you know, late as last year saying that, you know, they could be pushing towards something in 2024. And then we see what happens in 2023 And it's hard to see them really making a push towards the major leagues. And that also got me thinking, as I previously mentioned, about prospect rankings. And with this one, I did go back to 2019, you know, when this show, the, the, I guess the, the mother show of minor league news and brews uh, bucks in the basement started. And I was looking at the top 10 prospects And right now, out of the top 10, 
Mitch Keller's in the major leagues at number one. Keep Ryan Hayes is in the majors at number two. Travis Swaggerty has been DFA'd and is now with the Chicago White Sox. Ono Cruz has been on the IL for the majority of the year. And probably just from what I'm hearing now and what's come out, you know, everybody's reporting from Tom Tomczak that it could be for the rest of the season. He's at number four. Cole Tucker just DFA'd by the Colorado Rockies. Kevin Kramer, not even sure if he's still in professional baseball in any way, shape, or form at this point in time. Cal Mitchell has kind of just... I guess it would be using a Tom Tomsack thing. He's kind of plateaued in AAA and shown that he could possibly be one of those, I hate to say it, but like quad A players because you know, Cal Mitchell's a guy that I saw back in 2019 uh, down in Bradenton and saw a lot of hope for him. Yes, I mean, in some ways, you know, I had kind of pegged him as possibly being like one of the success stories from the minor leagues and in some ways i guess he not to you know say that i'm like trying to twist it a little bit but he may have been because he actually did make it to the major leagues did not experience any success there but actually made it because you know, a lot of guys don't make it the whole way up from you know what would have been high a at the time the whole way to the major leagues uh going to number eight we have brian reynolds you know obviously the major leagues Obviously going to be with the Pirates, you know, for an extended period of time here. Kevin Newman uh, traded to the Cincinnati Reds at number nine. Luis Escobar at number 10. So I kind of see where these people's frustrations come from. And, and it only grows as you look at, you know, 2020. Once again, you know, Mitch was still on there. Cabrian. O'Neill at number four, a new person entering that with Quinn Priester. I mean, everybody's kind of down on Quinn right now um, because of how he performed in the major leagues. You know, the book's not written on him just yet. At number five, you have Leover Piguero. Leover is, you know, tr we're trying to see if he's going to be a regular contributor at the major leagues. But then once you go th six through nine again, Swaggerty, Brennan Malone, Sammy Ciani, Jared Oliva, 10, uh, Cody Bolton now been transferred to, you know, being a, uh, a reliever as opposed to, you know, being uh, a, a major league baseball player, you know, major league uh, starter at this point in time, or even a minor league starter uh, because of all of the injuries. So there's the top 10 for there. You go to 2021, Cabrian, Nick Gonzalez enters the conversation after being drafted. Um, and once again, you know, seeing that, you know, he experienced some success within the minor leagues, has at least moved up to the majors, but now is back down with AAA. You know, O'Neill at number four, Peggy at number five. But then once again, you get the, the six through ten of Hudson Head, Tanaj Thomas, Brennan Malone, Travis Swaggerty, and Cody Bolton. In 2022, I mean, this is feels like it's it's going to be like a little bit of a repeat again, but it's Nick Gonzalez at number one. Henry Davis, who, you know, is now on the IL, has been used primarily in right field. I drafted as a catcher. I know that I, I can't get back on that horse again of just because that's where somebody was drafted in Major League Baseball, that that's where they'll end up. 
But that kind of seems to be the sentiment within people that if you're drafted as something, that's where you should play. But book's not written on him yet. He's at number two. Cruz at number three. Priester at number four. Rowanzi Contreras, the man without his velocity at number five. Uh, you got Peggy at six. Uh, you got Endy at seven. And at this point in time, you've got Solometto, Chandler, and the aforementioned Matt Frazier at 10. I, 2023, obviously, book has not been written on any of these guys yet. Skeens, Tamar, Endy, Jared Jones, Solomito, Priester, Gonzalez, Peggy, Chandler, and Thomas Harrington. But for me, kind of the thing that just keeps popping into my head here is going back and looking at 2019 and seeing, you know, the, just the number of names, one, two, three, four, five, six names that I've kind of crossed off the list at this point in time as to players that, you know, will no longer be considered to even have a chance of being contributors at the major league level. And, and that's, it's kind of disheartening. And, and in some ways, you know, 2020, I have four names crossed off that list. 2021, I have four names crossed off that list. And it's just kind of like, I can see where people's frustrations come from just because, you know, how can we say that in, you know, 2027, you know, four years from now that I look back at this list in 2023, you know, God willing, still doing the minor league news and Bruce podcast, but how many of those names, you know, will I have crossed off that list in order for this team, this organization, whatever it may be to be successful, you pretty much have to have less names crossed off than are in like than half of the top 10. If you have more than half of the top 10, unless you have some like the other four are like absolute legit everyday all-stars um, every year, all-stars, I should say that it's kind of going to be hard to say, you know, that this team has been successful and I kind of makes me think just like on the fly here of something that, you know, I think it was Zach Buchanan formerly of the athletic. We've had him, we had him on this show previously. I think it was him that had brought up the, the number of minor league championships uh, consistently that the Tampa Bay Rays had either been fighting for, or at least one, and showing like how that it doesn't like maybe just automatically equate to success at the major league level, but my God, it sure doesn't hurt if you are winning championships throughout your system. I mean, people will say, you know, minor league championships don't matter. I would say that they matter to those players. They matter to those coaches. They matter to those communities. But if you're just a Pittsburgh Pirates fan and not a, fan of you know any of the the minor league organizations uh, within you know the P pittsburgh pirates umbrella I, you know maybe they don't but just thinking back to this i mean 2021 was such like a positive year 
just because um, the Greensboro Grasshoppers had gone to, you know, their championship game and took it to the final game and didn't end up winning it. But the Bradenton Marauders were, were 2021 champions. And then looking at the standings this year and like, once again, like I don't see Indianapolis, you know, anywhere near in contention. Altoona, who everybody knows is my favorite, you know, minor league baseball team, kind of like teetering on whether or not they would be in contention. But, you know, obviously didn't win, you know, the Eastern League first half, but, you know, not like really pushing for that championship with the only teams that are really doing that, at least in the second half, being Bradenton and not even the second half, but just in their league in, in the Florida complex league. So we can say like, okay, we have a great Florida complex league team and, you know, the Bradenton Marauders are back on top again, which is, is great for the Marauders. It's, it's great for their manager. It's great for, you know, the city of Bradenton. But, you know, if that doesn't start to trickle up, it, it makes me start to worry a little bit. And I would like to see, you know, an Eastern League or International League championship come along here in the next couple of years. Because, I mean, if you look back to when the teams were starting to push for, you know, actual improvement at the major league level, you know, we were winning or at least in 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 the vicinity of winning a, a championship in our double A and triple A organization. So I can kind of see where people's frustrations come from. Believe me, not going to stop me from doing the show. Not going to stop me from being a minor league fan, but I mean, it's just definitely, it, it has given me stuff to think about. And I didn't want to, you know, I try to give people, you know, all the, the knowledge they can to make, you know, reasonable decisions on this. And I don't push anybody to be a minor league fan, but I also, you know, I, I, I want to show like the other side of, you know, watching prospects that that's not always, I guess it would be rainbows and, and gumdrops and, and lollipops. A pitcher of beer, a pitcher of beer, let's order another pitcher of beer. That pitcher of beer should come over here. I love that pitcher of beer. Finishing off my trip to Gatlinburg, I'm going to have to go with, with five beers here. I usually do four. But I'm definitely going to go have to go with five because I don't want to push a, a Gatlinburg or a Gatlinburg area beer, you know, into something that's local to kind of confuse anybody. When I was down there, I went to Gatlinburg Brewing on Boys Day with uh, my brothers-in-law and my father-in-law and tried three very delicious beers. The first was Gatlinburg's Brewing own GPA Session IPA coming in at 4.6%, give that one a 450, bring it down to 400. The Gaddy Light, I, I, I brought a four pack of this home, uh, me and my wife. You can't because we also love the Natty Light just because of the name. So we went with the Gaddy Light, the 5% light beer, give that a 450 as well, bring it down to 400. And my favorite beer that I had at Gatlinburg Brewing, and I will say the one thing about Gatlinburg Brewing is they had a they had this open fired stove where it's like the wood burning fire. 
making wings and pizzas and stuff. Absolutely great food, great atmosphere, good people down there. Was their breakfast juice New England IPA coming in at 6%. A little bit heavier for me. You know I like to keep my beers usually around below the 6%. But this one, a great tasting beer. Paired very well with the wings that I had. Give that one a 475. Bring that down to 425. Another thing that me and the family did uh, with my in-laws and and everybody when we were down in uh, Gatlinburg as we went to Anakista, it's up on this giant hill. You, I had to face my fears. You have to um, either take an open chair or a chandala, which is pretty much just like if you're sitting on the incline, going up the incline uh, in Pittsburgh, but it's, it's basically on the same thing as the chairlift you go up there you can see the smoky mountains on a 360 view it's absolutely beautiful listen to some live live music up there me and my brother-in-laws we both tried stargazer hazy ipa from black horse brewing and maybe it was just the atmosphere because this one comes in at 7.2 but this was an absolutely delicious beer 475 bring that down to 425 and we also tried from tailgate brewing the orange pale wheat which was definitely a little bit strange for me because it was almost kind of like a blue moon type tasting thing but it had more of the pale ale taste to it coming in at 5.1 percent give that one a 450 bring it down to 400 Hopefully next episode we'll be moving back into the local beers. But until then, let's go Indians. Let's go Curve. Let's go Hoppers. Let's go Marauders. Let's go FCL and DSL Pirates. And anybody that's traveling out to Altoona to see Paul Skeen's pitch this Saturday. I hope you guys have a great time.